This is February 21st, and this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. And welcome back into the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky. Hope you guys are having a great day, a great week. And Jake DeBrusque is Jake DeBack. I mean, my goodness, uh, quite the return for Jake DeBrusque. Connor and I got into his return, what it means, what it means farther down the lineup uh, on this show. We also got into the latest trade rumors surrounding the Bruins, which uh, there are some names the Bruins are linked to. Uh, that we discussed a little bit last week that we got uh, more heavy into this week. We also discussed a big question. Would you trade anyone off the current roster? Which I think a lot of people are going to have a lot of different opinions on, but that's why we're here to discuss those things uh, and get more into detail. We also discussed the move the Maple Leafs just made to get uh, a lot better and discuss whether or not the Bruins should be nervous about that and potential players the Bruins could take from the Blues. So, you're probably so hyped up now thinking, I got to listen to this episode. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Connor Ryan. And we're here with Connor Ryan. Connor, what is up? Evan, I'm doing well. How you doing? Doing great. Doing great. You know who's doing really great? The Boston Bruins. Boston Bruins, oh, yeah. four in a row. My goodness, people were kind of getting a little scared there. Nice game and overtime win in Dallas. Very convincing win over Nashville. Suddenly, they're back in a huge win over the Islanders, and then a nice win over the Senators, who they couldn't beat for a long time. Man, if Ottawa made, if Ottawa won again on Monday, my God, the Bruins hoped they wouldn't face them in the first round. Jeez. I mean, they're so. making, they're, they are kind of making a push the Ottawa center. I don't think they're ready this year, but that's a team that seems like they are at least trending in the right direction uh, beyond their off season additions. Like that team has pretty good effort. The fact that that was a relatively close game uh, on Monday for a team on the second leg of a back to back, not too bad. That team, that team plays the Bruins pretty tough. No, not too bad. And I mean, you, you look at the standings right now. What's hilarious is so Florida has moved into that first wild card spot, 64 points. But Pittsburgh in the second spot at 63. Then you have the Islanders at 63, Washington 62, Buffalo, Detroit, Ottawa 60, 60, 58. So they're in it. They're, I mean, they're in the they're in the they're in a little playoff push. All three of those teams, and those are three teams that look pretty good for the future. So uh, interesting stuff all around uh, on the Bruins front. Jake DeBrusque returned against uh, the Islanders uh, on Saturday and contributed right away. (laughs) Power play goal in the first three minutes. Typical Jake DeBrusque right in front of the net type goal. Boom. Um, And you see it. You see it. It's a different team with Jake DeBrusque uh, out in the lineup. Uh, You see him, the way he stabilizes uh, the rest of the roster, uh, what he provides in front of that. He takes a beating. He took some huge hits. Uh, on Monday against Ottawa. Uh, and I, I mean, as we said this whole time, feels like getting DeBrusque back, pretty damn big addition to this team. Yeah, I think it's night and day in terms of just where he fits in the lineup and what he brings. And it's not like this team is lacking in terms of offensive capabilities with guys like Pasternak and Krejci and Bergeron, Marchand, Zaka, Coyle. All these guys have great talent, Taylor Hall. 
But I think what uh, Jake DeBrus does well is kind of what was the missing ingredient in uh, the top six for the Bruins, whether it's just his ability to drive to the net front. Um, he's really good at kind of finding that those layers in the defense where, you know, putting himself in position for rebounds when he's driving to the net. Um, it's not just he's just creating chaos. He's putting himself in good spots in case a puck bounces his way. Um, you know, driving to the net, rebounds, all that stuff, uh, tipping pucks. It's a part of his game that, again, it's not necessarily flashy, um, but it's something I think uh, the Bruins definitely need in that spot. Sometimes you just need a guy that gets you those greasy goals or kind of can manufacture grade-A chances by himself off of his own effort. I think you kind of saw that um, with his goal against Ottawa where he kind of, you know, gets the shot, gets his own rebound and kind of tucks it home. Uh, You need one of those guys in your uh, forward court, especially in the top six, that can generate those chances kind of out of the blue. Um, And he's shown it so far, right? This is a guy that's coming off of a reported broken leg, uh, a hand injury, and he's right back at it with two goals and two games. And it's, again, just kind of going back to his strengths. It's just him playing his game. And you see him this whole year. He's been very confident. He's sticking to his game plan. And the results have been there for him. If he sticks with it, I'm sure there's going to be plenty more goals over the next couple of weeks for the regular season. Dude had a, like a playoff list of injuries, like when the breakup day. Yes. And they're like, yeah, you know, I broke my hand. I broke my leg. I broke this. He had that just from the Winter Classic alone. Um, so, but no, I mean, again, and we said it all along. And you think back. We've, we've been podcasting for a long time, Connor. It's been years now. Uh, we always have yes. fun doing it. But there was a, a large chunk of time in there. Maybe not relatively large, but there was a couple, you know, couple weeks where he was on the trading block. Last year, we talked about him, you know, the year before. Like, what's the deal there? I mean, you think back and to think that, you know, credit to the Bruins for, you know, hammering out an extension last year and credit to them for sticking by him and with him. And this is what you get which is dividends. You, you get production. You get something that, you know, he offers something that uh, the rest of the top six isn't as great at offering. Uh, and it's those dirty goals. And Marshan's fine at that stuff, but to, yeah. to the level that DeBrusque is, uh, he just, you know, isn't. And, um, you know, again, just the what he provides is so impactful. Um, and again, come playoff time, when you're not going to be dangling around guys in a seven-game series. You're not, you're not you know, freaking undressing Jacob Slavin going for a breakaway. Like that's, that's not happening. Um, and to have DeBrusque there doing what he's doing um, is impactful and you're seeing it. And and especially the goal that, that the, the Bergeron line, the goal on, uh, on Monday against the senators, Marshan goes in, digs for it, you know, beats, I think it was Zaitsev right out front to DeBrusque. So now we get into some more fun stuff. Trade rumors. There was a report from Elliot Friedman. There's been some other rumblings that, and we've talked about Vladislav Gavrikov a little bit, but that the Bruins are very in on him to the point where it's really just cap issues that are holding them back from a trade. Um, There's a question that comes from the cap issues that I want to get into in a second, but your first reaction to, to hearing that the Bruins were one of the big teams in on him. Evan. My reaction was, eh, I think it's my reaction to Gavrikov. Yeah, it's one of those things where I think when you, probably it's not fair to compare him to a guy like Chikrin, but I think when you look at this team and the way this decor is uh, made up of, I think, six very good players that, um, you know, if you're acquiring another piece and giving up a lot of assets to do it, which I'm sure we're going to touch on in the second with Gavrikov, 
it better be a worthwhile upgrade, right? I think you look at a guy like Chikrin, yes, you're giving up probably two first, a blue chip prospect. You might have to move like one of your starting six defensemen, but if it's a guy like Chikrin who is under term for two years and is a very good player, the writing's on the wall, right? Like Immediate you are, upgrade. You, you Immediate upgrade, you are upgrading at a already very, very strong position and putting that group over the top in the middle of an already dominant year for your team, right? Like that's one where you, the writing's on the wall in terms of how you can just uh, go all in for the season. Gavrikov, it's one of those things where, all right, you're looking at, maybe he's a, a slight upgrade somewhere, but, you know, is it Grizzlick? Is it Forbert? Uh, is it one of those guys? But it's not like I think a guy like Gavrikov is that much better than a Grizzlick or that much better than a Forbert that it justifies giving up a first round pick, another couple of draft picks. Uh, you know, one of those things for a guy that also seems pretty committed to going to market. You know, you've heard a lot of the reports coming out of Columbus is that, you know, this is a guy that doesn't want to talk to a team that trades for him about a contract extension. So it's like, all right, you're giving up a first for essentially a rental and only maybe slightly upgrading at the position. It's not like. And a I third think and a like fourth, Gavrikov. potentially. Yeah, exactly. It's one of the things too, where people look at, uh, Gavrikov, big defenseman, eats a lot of minutes, a lot of D zone stats, a lot of block shots, kind of like Derek Forbert, but I was thinking that. <laughs> also, yeah, he's also not really like a, like a Luke Shen who's like has a lot of I think real nasty to his game. It's kind of like Forbert. Like Forbert is a big defenseman, block shots, kills penalties, but he's not. I wouldn't say he's overly physical like a like a Shen is, or mm-hmm. even like a Clifton. Like there's only wrong. Like he still is very good at what he does, but that's kind of what Gavrikov is. So. You're essentially acquiring a guy that um, it's not like he adds a whole different dynamic. He's a very good defenseman for what he is. But I think when you look at what the Bruins are going to have to give up for him for what is essentially, again, a rental, I just don't see it being worth the cost of what is only probably a slight upgrade on this group. And does that mean bringing in Gavrikov, you're moving out a guy like Grizzly or you're moving out a guy like Flaubert? Maybe it's added insurance, but then you could make the argument. Maybe you should just get a guy like Shen on the right side or a guy that won't cost as much for what is essentially insurance. So it's one of those where, again, you see how it would pan out if a trade like that does happen for a guy like Gavrikov, but I don't see him being a guy that moves the needle significantly in terms of bolstering what is already, I think, a very, very good decor. It doesn't move the needle enough to justify what you're giving up, which again, they don't, I, again, yeah. I, I know if you win a Stanley Cup, we've said this a million times, it doesn't matter, yes. right? If Gavrikov comes in and you give up a first, and a third and a fourth, and you have to trade out, you know, a roster piece, and you win a cup, fine. Like, so be it. But if you don't win a cup, and that was your upgrade, and you dealt away three big pieces of, the, of your future and a ro- a player on the current roster, it looks terrible. It looks awful. Yeah. And again, I just think it goes back to, we, we've talked about this at length with Chikrin. Like, that's a clear upgrade. You're giving away, you know, you'd be giving away, you know, a first, Low rye, potentially a roster player, maybe another first, maybe another top prospect, but it's a clear upgrade who has two more years on a very palatable contract for what he provides. Um, this is not that case. This is very much not that case. Um, and as you said, I mean, is he, is it, you know, Gavrikov, McAvoy, Lindholm, Carlo, and then, you know, if they don't trade one of the defensemen, is it, you know, Forbert and Clifton, Forbert and Grizzly, Grizzly and Clifton, I mean, like, I don't know what you would do there, um, but that's a whole nother thing I guess we'll get into if they pull the trigger on this deal, uh, which gets me to my next point. 
and this is something we haven't discussed a lot. Uh, clearly, the Bruins are not in the best cap situation. No one is. <laughs> no one's in, no one is. No contenders sitting there with just like tons of cap, except the Hurricanes kind of are. Um, but this team, is anyone tradable on the roster? And I'm not talking like, you know, obviously Mike Riley, you got to, you know, that money or, or Craig Smith. I think people, those are the two obvious ones. But, you know, we I talked about Grizzlick a little bit uh, with, in regard to Chikrin, because I think that is a clear upgrade. Again, I like Grizzlick. I'm not like anti-Grizzlick, but Chikrin just is an <laughs> upgrade. Uh, but is there anyone on this roster that you'd look at and say, well, you know, you have to deal them for cap space, you deal them. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where it's, as you said, looking past a guy like Riley or Smith, there's not really a lot of like contracts that don't justify either being of value to the Bruins or they're guys that you can make the argument maybe they can move. But again, you don't want to really mess with the chemistry you have with this group, right? Where you have to move out three or four contracts just to, you know, make the money work. If it means disrupting the locker room that's been gelling and has been cohesive all season long, it's one of those things where it's, you don't want to up, you know, it's kind of why we also said that like a chicken move would work where, uh, you know, you're probably dumping Riley and Smith's contracts and giving up draft capital as opposed to moving, Frederick or, you know, guys on the actual NHL roster, you know, it's something where you just don't want to uproot what's been going so well for this team. So there's not really other than maybe a guy like Grizzlick, um, someone that, you know, you can move that contract just because there's not any room for them. But again, it comes down to the fact that if it's Chikrin, all right, he's an upgrade for Gavrikov. It's like, all right, again, again, I know people will push back and say that, you know, Grizzlick in the playoffs can be exposed or what have you, but still like I don't think it's also something where you need to then completely slot him out of the lineup, whether it's you go with 70 or what have you, if you get a guy like Gavrikov, maybe that works. It just comes down to, I think, the the money not working out and just the overall cost where you're going to have to pay up to get a guy like Gavrikov who doesn't seem like a long-term fit. I think that's where the problem is. I think there's other ways for you to bolster this defense, whether it's swinging for the fences like Chikrin or doing a marginal upgrade like a guy like Shen or what have you that – makes just more sense for what this team is because you know if, if you want to say the Bruins still need to get a guy like Nick Pukestad to add a little bit more of a scoring punch maybe replacing a guy like Craig Smith on that third line I could see that Gavrikov is essentially another you know like a Carlo or Forbert which like again they're both good players so you add another one to the mix he's good but it's not an area of deed you know it, it's one of those things where it's tough to like succinctly like wrap up like what exactly is the pros and cons of this like the Bruins would get better if they get Gavrikov but do they need him right for what the cost is I don't know do they get better enough to justify the cost that's really what it comes down to like do you do you want to not be picking in in the first round you know again this year because you know you didn't uh because you got Vladislav Gavrikov like I don't know I, I just Again, I can't sit here and say that I'm an expert on I have I, you know, I haven't watched every single game of the Columbus Blue Jackets this year. I think I would be sick of hockey if I had done that. <laughs> I think they're in a tough year. And again, I mean, you look at his underlying numbers, right? They're not great. Not great. So again, I I, I just I, it almost feels like there's on one end there's Chikrin, which is like an extreme, you know, serious upgrade. And on one end you have Luke Shen, who is an upgrade to your depth. Not going to cost a ton. Uh, doesn't cost a mil, you know, tons against the cap. And then you're in the middle, you have Gavrikov, which is like, 
a weird murky area, like you know, like the like David Savard type, where it's like, uh, I don't know, like Ben Sherratt last year. That was the big one, right? Ben Sherratt. And so uh, I don't know. It's a weird place for the Bruins to be in. I I we'll see what ends up happening. Hopefully it doesn't happen before um before this goes live. This episode <laughs> drops. Which to what try to write it. We are the one who said it, Evan. We, I know true, but we, I, I will say in our defense, we are recording this later Monday. Um, so, uh, there is, there is that Bruins beat is brought to you by hello fresh when it's time for the game home gate, like a pro with a limited time winning assortment of snacks, appetizers, and shareable sweets available at hello fresh market, treat friends and fans to delicious barbecue, baby back ribs, chocolate chip brownies, and everything in between we all want to save money this time of year but did you know that HelloFresh helps you save money all year round in fact HelloFresh is cheaper than grocery shopping and 25 percent cheaper than takeout fast and fresh recipes HelloFresh's latest line of meals featuring robust flavors and filling portions are ready in less than 15 minutes enjoy taste and quality done quick with recipes like falafel power bowls seared steak and potatoes with bernier sauce or southwest pork and bean burritos Recently, I got shipped one of my favorites, one pan mango salsa pork tacos with cilantro and sour cream, and it is as good as it sounds. I love tacos, and with the fresh ingredients sent to me, it was a delicious dinner. I'll 100% be doing it again. Go to HelloFresh.com slash Bruin65 and use code Bruin65 for 65% off your purchase plus free shipping. Again, go to HelloFresh.com slash Bruin65 and use code Bruin65 for 65% off your purchase plus free shipping. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Now, back to the show. So, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Toronto Maple Leafs made a big uh, splash on Saturday night. Or was it Friday? It was one of those nights. I think Friday. it was Friday night. Uh, went out and got Ryan O'Reilly and Nola Chari. Old friend Nola Chari. And they're calling him Cookies. Did you see that? They're calling yeah, him cookies. No, and and I, apparently I don't know where that comes from. So I guess I didn't know where it came from either. So I was looking through the replies because people were also like, wait, what? But apparently, yeah, I, I again, I don't know if this is made up. I don't know. I didn't fact because I didn't verify this. I could be completely spreading misinformation. And so this is going to, I'm going to start a thing now if this is fake. But I think this is real because people are saying it in the Twitter replies. Okay. Uh, it said he eats cookies before games. So they call him cookie. So I guess that's how that stems from. So I guess he does play a very energetic game. So maybe the sugar, it's like when like you know, true. a 12 year old kid has like Sour Patch for a game and he's just like off the walls. <laughs> it's maybe like Nola Chari. Like yes. maybe, maybe these guys know what's up. Or maybe so. Nola Chari, it's like stolen valor. He stole his idea, right? Maybe it's like, you that's know, true. He, he saw Jake Dabrowski, just copied it. So maybe there's something we got to look into there. Um, but anyways, the, the Maple Leafs, I mean, that is an upgrade. I, like, that's a clear upgrade up front. Um, I think Achari almost might be, like, the very underrated part of the whole thing. You know, what yeah. he can provide, especially the goal scoring he did in Florida. Um, but uh, you look at those two, and I and clearly it makes the Leafs better. I don't think it's like, you know, there, was, there wasn't a downgrade, especially yeah. Ryan O'Reilly. But I do wonder... They still, I'm still questioning them in net to really, Yeah. what do you think of this whole thing? Yeah, I think it's the same thing, right? They definitely got better. I think Achari fits a need on the fourth line. I'm curious to see what they do with O'Reilly because he started off uh, his first game with Toronto on their second line, their second line center. I feel like he's a guy that's better at this stage of his career to be like your 3C shutdown line. Like if you're like, if you're keeping those guys, it's like, all right, roll out. 
O'Reilly on the third line against Bergeron in like a seven game yes. series or against, oh, or yes. against or against Tampa's top line and let your other big guns go to work. Like that's how I think you'd best deploy him. And it's a pretty good strategy. I mean, you saw just what O'Reilly did in 2019, right? Like he is definitely an upgrade uh, if they use him in, I think, that spot. Um, but as you said, is this like a, a move that's putting them over the top? I still think you have to have questions about that goaltending. And granted, guys like Sam Zonov and Murray and them have been good for extended stretches, but still it's not, I think, as uh, – even look at like how they'd be against a team like Tampa, right? Like who is the goaltending advantage there between them and Vasilevsky? Like it's Vasilevsky, <laughs> right? Like it's – until until they win a seven-game series with those guys in net, I think you just have to have that natural – pessimism or just wait and see approach for those grouping it, it's just the way it is um we've seen it over the last couple of years and um maybe this year they finally break through and they did get better but i think when you look at the the shift of of power in the eastern conference i still think the bruins are still the the team to beat the one move that i think almost feels inevitable that i think is going to have other teams looking around the league being like oh it's going to be what carolina does with that cap space like if carolina goes out there they already have a very good team and use that LTIR money from Patch Ready's injury to get a guy like Timo Meyer. Then you're like, yikes, yikes. Upgrade. Right? Like that's something that, yeah. That, and again, yeah, Toronto is better. But when you look at just uh, where these teams stack up and uh, a team like Carolina that's already very good and has room to uh, improve in a couple of areas, getting a 35, 40 goal score like Meyer uh, would help tremendously. So that's something I think. A lot of teams, including the Bruins, have been keeping tabs on. But yes, Toronto did get better, but um, I don't know if they're necessarily, uh, you know, in the same tier as the Bruins right now. And I mean, it kind of just comes down to the goaltending right now, just what we haven't seen yet from the ones once we get to the playoffs. You almost have to, you have to feel like Carolina will do something, considering the Rangers went out and got Tarasenko, right? I mean, those are now yeah, feels like exactly. the two top teams in the Metro. Uh, you would, and even getting Bo, the Islanders getting Bo Horvat, like. Teams are doing things over there. It feels like the Hurricanes have to do something. It feels like Meyer would be the logical uh, move there. Obviously, you have to give up a lot outside of that. But it's interesting, though, uh, with the Blues, Ivan Barbashev's an interesting name. Uh, Fluto wrote about this in The Athletic the other day. And it's an interesting move. It's an interesting thought because it would add depth up front. Uh, he's one year when he was with Jim Montgomery. He was you know had a career year uh, in terms of goals and points. And... You know, I mean, again, I think the Bruins are full of third line centers. <laughs> Charlie Coyle, Trent Frederick, Pavel Zaka, like you can go down the list. Um, but it does give you a left shot center. Uh, it does give you a depth option. It, you know, God forbid an injury happens. You can, you know, you have a lot more options. Um, it would take assets to get him. I don't know if you have the cap space to do that and a, a defenseman. Um, there's obviously, you know, Don Sweeney can make the cap work. Evan Gold and them can do that. Um, but you know, it's an interesting thought. What do you think? Yeah, I think he's a guy that I think fits more of a immediate need. And again, there's a team that has very few flaws or weak links, uh, in their lineup. But when you look at third line, you know, scoring punch, whether it's down the middle or especially, you know, Barbashev's a center, but playing on the wing, he's done that the last couple of years as well. Seems like a guy that would make more sense for them to target and give up a little bit more assets for a rental than a guy like Gavrikov, right? Uh, Barbashev's a really good straight line player. Um, will, you know, add some physicality, not like a bruiser, like a guy like a Chari, but, you know, can 
uh, throw his weight around out there. Kind of a weird player to gauge his value because I think what he is is a guy that can give you 10, 12 goals, 30-something points in a bottom six role. Great value there. It's kind of what the Bruins are looking for. He also had that breakout season last year where he had, what, like 27 goals and like 60-plus points. I don't think he's that kind of player. I think also he was shooting like 22% or something last year. So that was I <laughs> That's think sustainable. A, yeah, very much a blip. But still, you wonder if that is kind of augmenting what a team like the Blues are asking for for him. But even if he's falling back into what I think has he's been for his whole career, which is a very solid, dependable third-line, fourth-line guy, you add a guy like him to the mix and he can slot in next to Coyle and Hall or – you know, you can bump them down to the fourth line uh, if need be and add some scoring punch down there next to guys like Nosek or Felino or Frederick. Um, he, he's just another solid guy to add to that mix that gives Jim Montgomery options, right? It's not like you get a guy like Gavrikov and you're like, all right, we already have six good defensemen. We're just kind of, are we going 7D? Like, if you have to slot out a guy like uh, AJ Greer or, or Felino or Frederick for a game or two over the course of a series, like, you can have that option when you have a guy like Barbashev added to the mix. So uh, whether it's a guy like him, Butestad, Benino, any of these other kind of guys that aren't going to cost maybe as much, worth exploring. But Barbashev's an interesting case because you wonder if even if he's a rental, whether a team like the Blues is still going to be asking for a first-round pick or something for him just because of what he showcased last year. But again, I wouldn't put too much stock into what his numbers were uh, this past season. It's an interesting option, and I think a lot of people with the recent defensive, the recent news on D, a lot of people are overlooking the depth options up front, uh, but we'll get into that later this week with Poke the Bear, I would imagine, uh, and people can also look forward to that from you over at Boston.com. By the way, congratulations getting in the Boston Globe on oh, Saturday. Incredible. A nice story on Hampus Lindholm. What can people look forward to from you over there? Yeah, we'll have you covered every step of the way with uh, Bruins recaps, columns, breakdowns, features, all that good stuff over at Boston.com. Of course, we'll have stuff from the Patriots, Celtics, Red Sox, everything over there as well. So please read over at Boston.com. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can at Connor Ryan underscore 93. Go do all that. For CLNS Media, I'm Evan Marinofsky, Bruins Beat listeners. Have a great rest of your week. <laughs>